I got a story to tell, every word of it true, except for the parts I made up for you. Just some history that has been reworded into a mystery called The Way I Heard It. Hey guys, it's The Way I Heard It, episode number 338. It's what we like to call a bonus episode. Although, Chuck, at this point, how many bonus episodes are you going to do before the word bonus just starts to feel like you know, want, 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 want. Yeah, it's, there's a hat on a hat sort of a feeling about it. But look, this is a bonus story as opposed to a bonus coffee with your mom. So, mm. you know, there are two flavors of bonus. And this is the old-fashioned kind, <laughs> the nice, the way I heard it story from way back when. So if you were looking for a bonus that's flavored like my mom, oh. I'm happy to say you're in the wrong place. Oh, man. <laughs> Hey, that last episode with my mom absolutely crushed it. I've been traveling all over the place, and people, you know, they stop me, they ask me about this podcast. They've got many questions about you, <laughs> but they have even more questions about my mother. Yeah. And uh, most of them all start with, is it true that she dot, dot, dot? <laughs> or did she and your father really dot, dot, dot? <laughs> well, yes, it's all true. Yeah. Um, our conversations are entirely unscripted, and yes, she has somehow wormed her way into the hearts of millions. I couldn't be uh, more pleased to share her stream of consciousness, her Peggy flavor, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> as a bonus. <laughs> Anyhow, if this episode, this bonus episode were to have a specific title, and it does, it would be called, it might be worth remembering. It might be worth remembering. Yes, yes, as you've just demonstrated. You remembered that real good. I wanted to make sure I had it before you moved on. <laughs> We're living in times, my friends, where our memories are subject to the enthusiasms and certainties uh, by those who surround us. And when we're searching for the truth, whatever that might be, well, we have a lot to sort through. And I think that level of confusion was on my mind when I wrote this. This is a story that I... Well... It's interested me for a very long time because it focuses on a topic that is of great interest to me. But it's all been heightened here of late because, Chuck, as you may have noticed, we are living in a time where from time to time we look around and we find our experts disagreeing. What's a reasonable fellow to do when the experts disagree? I'm not really sure, Mike. Well, I'll tell you what I did. I sat down and wrote this story, and I'm going to read it for you momentarily. I do hope you like it. I do hope you remember it, because modesty aside, it might be worth remembering. In much the same way, our friends at American Giant might be worth bragging about. These guys are awesome. They're sponsoring this episode. And Chuck, I don't know if you've seen this. You probably have, because it's in the notes. But I want to read it to you, because when I talked to the CEO over there, we were going back and forth about... Like, what matters? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, Bayard Winthrop gives a damn about all sorts of things, especially making things in this country. He wrote me this in an email, and it's now in your official production notes. But he said, American Giant was founded on a simple belief. Work is good. Work is not a curse or a necessary evil, nor a plot to keep you from happiness. In fact, the pursuit of happiness looks a lot like a full-time job. A job brings purpose, dignity, and respect. Like nothing else, it brings people together, people who might never meet otherwise. Co-workers become colleagues and friends. 
work builds communities. I love that. It's great. I mean, to say that in a time where we're having these giant conversations about working from home and not working at all and so many people sitting out of the workforce, here comes a guy who's making textiles, sweatshirts, pants, T-shirts and whatnot right here in the United States. And I'm so proud to have them as a sponsor on this podcast. They're not only doing it in this country on a production side, they're doing it on every aspect of manufacturing. They're growing their cotton here. They're making the effort. And, you know, I'm really torn on this, and you've heard me agonize about it before, because I've got no issue with hardworking men and women who work for companies that import products mm-hmm. and that don't make it here. You know, those, those people aren't the enemy. They're doing the best they can. They're playing by the rules. They're in this yep. global economy, but... Damn it, you know, I mean, if you're going to make a change, if you're going to try and get that rock up that hill, it's going to be because a certain number of men and women take a deep breath and just go for it. An American giant has done it for over a decade. They make great quality stuff right here in this country. I still have the sweatshirt they sent me 12 years ago. It's indestructible, this thing. You want to support an American-made company? That's reason enough to go to American-Giant.com slash Mike. You get 20% off at checkout when you use promo code Mike. But just go there, no pressure. Just shop around, look at the quality, read the story, and ask yourself, what kind of behavior is it that I would like to reward for crying out loud in this miasma of uncertainty where so many people are making so many big claims? It might be worth remembering that American Giant is doing it right here from stem to stern, from script to screen, from start to finish, American-Giant.com slash Mike. 20% off at purchase with promo code Mike. American Giant, American made, American Giant, American made. Did I miss anything, Chuck? I think you meant to say 20% off at checkout. Hmm. What'd I say, check-in? No, you said uh, at purchase. But mm. Well, look, there I was being optimistic because, you know, <laughs> if you're going to check out, it's probably because you purchased something. Well, you know what? Unless, of course. You got me. You got me there. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're simply checking out episode number 338, which is, as you might recall, it might be worth remembering. This is the way I heard it. In 1998, Professor Joseph Ellis was teaching history at Mount Holyoke College. Professor Ellis was best known as an expert on our founding fathers, with a Pulitzer Prize under his belt for American Sphinx, his seminal biography on Thomas Jefferson. Today, though, he was talking about his service in Vietnam as a platoon commander with 101st Airborne. What was it like over there? asked one student. Were you scared? asked another. Of course I was scared, said Professor Ellis. Mostly I was scared for the men under my command, men whose lives would be affected by my decisions. Professor Ellis went on to describe the unique terrors of jungle combat, crawling through the mud, slogging through the rice paddies. He wove the history of the war into the history of his own experience, including his decision to become a war protester, after he came back from Vietnam 
and march side by side with America's greatest civil rights leaders. As always, his stories kept his students on the edge of their seats. Always remember, he told them, the past is what we choose to forget. History. History is what we choose to remember. Later that afternoon, Professor Ellis returned to his office to finish an article on Thomas Jefferson. The scientific journal, Nature, had completed a DNA inquiry that had shed new light on a 200-year-old rumor that alleged our third president had fathered children with his teenaged slave girl, Sally Hemings. According to Nature, those allegations were no longer rumor. The science now proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that Thomas Jefferson had in fact fathered at least one child with his slave, and Professor Ellis had been invited to offer a little historical context about the kind of man Jefferson really was and what we might learn as a society from this unfortunate revelation. And so he did. Professor Ellis wrote a piece that portrayed Thomas Jefferson as a flawed human being, a terribly flawed human being with urges and desires he routinely indulged. The day after Professor Ellis' article was published, the story swept the nation. No less than 223 newspapers picked it up, and the headlines were shocking. Overnight, Thomas Jefferson was branded a sexual predator, a child molester, a rapist, and a 19th century deadbeat dad. The science was settled. For two months, our founding father's depravity was headline news. Soon, there were calls to remove his statues from the public square, calls to remove the nickel from circulation, calls to rewrite millions of textbooks, rename streets, rename hospitals, rename schools, and dismantle the Jefferson Memorial. Calls that continue to this day. Looking back at that unprecedented media blitz, it seems that Professor Ellis was correct. History is not the past. It's the past we choose to remember. And today, thanks to modern science, Everyone knows that Thomas Jefferson used a young slave girl to satisfy his sexual appetites. Even in Monticello, his ancestral home, visitors today are reminded that Sally Hemings had not one, but six children with Jefferson. But if that's what we choose to remember about our third president, it might be worth remembering a few other things that accompanied his fall from grace. It might be worth remembering, for instance, that Professor Joseph Ellis was not really a platoon leader with 101st Airborne. He had never been in combat. He had never even been in Vietnam. He just made all that up. Nor is there any record of him ever marching with civil rights leaders or protesting the war he had lied about fighting in. When his Lies were discovered. The professor issued a public apology, but Mount Holyoke College had no choice but to suspend him. Now, does that mean Joseph Ellis lied about Thomas Jefferson? No, 
But it might be worth remembering that just a few weeks after his article was published, the scientists at Nature had to issue an apology of their own. Turns out, the DNA evidence they had relied upon was inconclusive. In other words, the science wasn't settled, and Nature had to retract their article. Now, does that mean the scientists at Nature published a study they knew to be incorrect? No, but it might be worth remembering that the rest of the media did. Of those 223 newspapers that reported on Nature's original article, only one tried to set the record straight. The others ignored Nature's retraction entirely. In fact, many doubled down on the conclusions drawn from that original story. Frontline produced a special for PBS. CBS did a docu-series, and dozens of books were written about the moral turpitude of Thomas Jefferson, all based on scientific evidence that had been retracted. Now, does that mean the mainstream media was trying to distract millions of Americans from some other story by keeping a 200-year-old rumor in the headlines for months on end? No, but it might be worth remembering that back in 1998, Thomas wasn't the only Jefferson with his DNA in the headlines. There was another man whose reputation was crumbling before our eyes, another Jefferson, whose DNA had somehow gotten all over the blue dress of a young woman he swore he hadn't had sex with. That was the lie that led to his impeachment. The same lie that might very well have led to his conviction, but for a retracted accusation that led hundreds of reporters and pundits to compare the alleged conduct of our third president with the actual conduct of our 42nd. Just look at Thomas Jefferson, they told us. If a man who rapes his 13-year-old slave girl can stay on Mount Rushmore, well then surely... A man who lies about having sex with his 24-year-old intern can stay in the White House. Further proof that a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth has time to put its pants on. Or in this case, a president. A president named William Jefferson Clinton. Anyway, that's the way I heard it. If you like what you heard, and even if you don't, won't you please, won't you please, pretty please, pretty please, subscribe. Well, I hate to beg and I hate to plead, but please, pretty freaking please, please subscribe.